Also included in the bulletin this week, I put together a study guide for prayer. Now, we've been encouraging developing a discipleship team, a discipleship partner. Part of our small group ministry will be an effort to to encourage discipleship. So beyond what we do Sunday morning and what we do in our small groups on Wednesday evening, we'd like to encourage various uh, groups in the church to get together and challenge each other and encourage each other and help each other with the difficult task of living for Christ in this, in this culture. And uh, we're, we're calling it discipleship um, because we are Christians. We are Christ's own and as followers of Christ, we have become disciples. He's made us disciples. And so we want to encourage that discipleship. So in order to facilitate that a little bit, here's a study guide that I put together about prayer. Now there's some Old Testament references here. And what I want you to do in your personal study or in your discipleship challenges is to take, at the, take a look at the Old Testament uh, references and ask yourself, is this... And something that will apply to my life. Not everything about prayer in the Old Testament has an impact on us anymore. One example, uh, David wrote in the Psalms, Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Why doesn't that fit in today's, in, in, into the church age, in, in, in today's Christianity? Well, the answer is, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Evidently, in the Old Testament times, the Spirit could be given and then withdrawn. But those who are true believers in Jesus have a forever seal of God's Holy Spirit. And so that prayer doesn't really make sense for the true believer today because the Spirit is not going to be pulled away from us. And He will not leave us. He promises in Hebrews that He will never leave us or forsake us. You see what I'm saying So sometimes Old Testament challenges to prayer are specifically for Israel. But there's a lot of them in the Old Testament that are very very necessary and very important for us. And we should sort those out. I've listed several things that I call hindrances to prayer. And I have no idea why it started with number 11. But that's what my computer did. okay? And I had no way of fixing it because I am complete dud with my computer. But anyway... There's 11 through 20, hindrances to answered prayer, and then promises from God, 9 through 16. I know it makes perfect sense. At any rate, despite the numbering, would you take this along and either in some personal time, or this could be one of the discipleship tools that you use to challenge each other, okay? So this is ready for you for Wednesday night. Last week, no, two weeks ago... um, Matthew challenged us with another study sheet. Grace toward one another and the one another verses of Scripture. There's copies back on the back counter back there. Again, if you're wondering what you could do as discipleship partners, you could work through these lists. And we'll continue to try and present these kinds of things to you so that you never run out of material that you can use in your discipleship pursuits. All right? Enough advertising. Let's get on with the message. Inside is a brief outline, and I will try and follow that outline, and hopefully you'll be able to make some sense of it. But would you jot down a few notes and um, 
consider these things as helps for our discussions on Wednesday night in small group. Prayer. We're opening up a series on prayers from Holy Scripture. And uh, Matthew uh, Johnson has put together a series based on some of the um, challenging prayers in the Old Testament. Today is the introductory message, and it's going to be brief. Uh, There's tons to cover. Uh, As you can see, we, we won't even come close to handling all the Scripture and all the information there is about prayer. But we want to start. And uh, what I have found in my own life, and so I t- entitle this prayer, The Christ Follower's Hardest Work. And I'll try and share with you why I believe that's the hardest job that we have. You may have a different opinion, but then you can preach next Sunday. All right? Prayer, The Christ Follower's Hardest Work. What is prayer? Very good. Prayer in its simplest terms is any time there's communication with God, it is considered prayer. It's that interaction where I present my thoughts, opinions, ideas, desires to Almighty God. Sometimes it's very formal. Sometimes I start out maybe even on my knees and say something like, Our Father who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I start listing some things that I need. Other times, I'm in the midst of something and I'll just, I'll just cry out, Lord, help me. One time Betty and I were driving uh, along the highway on our way to work in the morning and uh, it, I came to a spot in the road where it was dry pavement, one spot, and then all of a sudden it was glare ice. Have you ever been in one of those situations? It was thrilling. Coming my way, moving rather slowly, was a semi. And I started turning, uh, the car, without me helping, it started to turn sideways and slide over into the semi's lane. And he got closer and we got closer and I remember my prayer. I did not say, Our Father who art in heaven. I just said, Lord, help us! And it was miraculous. I can still remember seeing the lug nuts on the rear wheel of that semi right there on my fender. And suddenly the wheels of my car hit the gravel and I spun around and completely... He went into the ditch and I was just fine. He didn't pray. No. (laughs) It can take all kinds of forms. Sometimes we read Scripture to God because it's the cry of our heart. But when I communicate with God, we generally consider that prayer. Now, understand there are some, some technical definitions and we'll try and get to that because we have to narrow this concept down a little bit. But when you come right down to it, we need to understand this, that prayer is a request to a personal Lord, by personal one who hears me, who knows me, who I have an intimate relationship based on the blood of His precious Son, He can answer my prayers. He can meet my needs. And then that little phrase, as 
He knows best. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, I believe Jesus said, Thy will be done. Remember when he was in the garden? He had a request for his father. And he said, remove this cup from me. And then what did he quickly add? Help me. Not my will, but yours be done. Something to learn from that. Something that I have a hard time doing, and that's why prayer is hard for me, is being willing to say, not my will, but yours be done. Is that somebody's, some of our people's car? Did anybody hit their keys? Okay. That could get a little annoying after the next half hour. Prayer is a request to a personal Lord who answers as he knows best. Now, next slide if we could. There's a difference between words and effective prayer. And you know that. Shakespeare knew that. I can't remember which play it is. One of Shakespeare's tragedies. The king says, My words go up. My thoughts stay here below. Words without thoughts do not to heaven go. Anybody remember those lines from Shakespeare? Huh? I don't think so. Well, I don't know if Shakespeare had his theology right, but, you know, a lot of times we say some really stupid stuff to God. Have you noticed that? Lord, I pray that you'll be with me. Now, I'm not trying to be offensive because I pray that one almost every day. And why is that a stupid prayer? He promised he'd never leave me or forsake me. Come on, Lev. Don't be redundant. That's stupid. Don't tell your daughters I said the S word, okay, Benji? Pop, you said stupid. Well, there are words and there is effective prayer. And here's a definition I got from uh, Nelson's Bible Dictionary. Effective prayer must be a scripturally informed response of persons saved by grace to the living God who can hear and answer on the basis of Christ's payment of the penalty which sinners deserved. Powerful. And I want to break it down a little bit. Next slide. The first thing in that definition was the response. The response. That response is on the basis of the great need that we have for God. We have not begun to understand how desperately we need God. That's another reason that makes prayer hard work. Because prayer requires me to recognize need that I can request God to help with. And there's all kinds of things that get in my way from recognizing what my needs are. Think about that. It's a response at the same time to his greatness. And none of us, there's some wonderful people here, and there's some great minds here, but I can say with confidence that none of us have understood 
the complete greatness of our God. And the more we understand of His greatness, the more we recognize that He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But if I don't recognize His greatness, I'm not going to pray to Him. You know, there's, there's some poor college students with us this morning. Re- identify yourselves. Poor college students. Lots of them. Okay. Here, I'll pick on Joe and, and Amanda. It would not be real bright of me to go to Joe and Amanda and say, you know what? I'm, I'm taking a cruise starting Wednesday and uh, I could use an extra thousand for spending money on the cruise so I can buy some knickknacks and, and have uh, uh, sodas and those kinds of things. So, Joe, uh, would you mind just loaning me? It'll, it'll be a kind of a long-term loan, but would you mind loaning me a thousand bucks? Yeah. <laughs> That's just dumb. He doesn't have the resources to be able to meet that need. But if you understand something of how great God is, then you have confidence to come and ask because he's able to answer. Joe can't answer. But God can. And what I need to do is spend some time understanding something of the greatness of God. Now there is at least, I can think of at least three different resources where I can go to understand something of the greatness of God. Help me with some of them. The heavens declare the glory or the greatness or the majesty or the incredible power of God. I can go to nature itself and get a glimpse from time to time of some of God's greatness. There's a song, I don't know if we've sung it a long time, for a long time here, but it goes, Oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. How beautiful is our Lord? You thought about that? Well, there's a hint of how beautiful He is in every landscape, in every waterfall, in every galaxy that's out there. There's just a hint of how beautiful He is, of how great He is, how powerful He is. And we need to spend time getting to know some of that. That is another hindrance and why it's such hard work for me to pray because I don't really comprehend his greatness that last one hurts Uh, a request to God is really a response to understanding my helplessness And, and I'm making a distinction between great need and helplessness all right did you see on the news last night that there was a lady who was walking across a railroad, uh, railroad bridge across a river and she got halfway across and then suddenly the bridge started to, to go up? Yeah, so she's sitting there. There's a picture of her hanging on to the ties like this. With the, and 25 minutes later, they got a ladder out and got her down. Now, that would not have been a good time to say to her, hey, have you got a match? You know, She's helpless. How helpless are we? How desperate are we for God? And that makes it hard to pray. We'll come back to that.
Next slide, please. Continuing to break it down. Our prayers need to be scripturally informed. Scripturally informed. You say, wait a minute, Leverence, you're just making that up. No, I'm really not. I'm really not. Because the Word of God is what reveals to us the mind of God. And we said earlier that it's as He will. His desire, His passions, His motives are what we need to bring into our understanding so that we can be uh, consistent with the mind of God. And when our prayers match His desires, wow, things happen. It's a wonderful thing. How do we know what his desires are? How do we know what his mind is? Well, we have it in the Word of God. And so we go to the Word of God to give us insight into how we can pray, scripturally informed. We suggest that God operates within the purpose of his will. Within the purpose of his will. He does nothing apart from his will. That would be to violate his very person. Do you understand what I'm saying there? It has to be in accordance with his will. And so when I pray, when I make requests to God, those requests really need to be within his great purpose. And he has revealed his purpose to us in the, in the Bible. And so that's why we, in, in our discussion of effective prayer, we say that these things need to be spiritually informed. If you're frustrated about your prayer life, as I am, a suggestion is to perhaps begin to read Scripture to God. Better yet, memorize some Scripture and pray that to God. How would that be? That would be kind of neat because then, whenever you needed to have God's response in your life, you could go within the purpose of His will and speak to Him those things that are the desperate need of our hearts. That makes prayer kind of hard, doesn't it? Oh, rats, now i got to read my Bible. Shucks, i got to memorize the Word of God. Ugh. I don't have time for that. The Cardinals are playing. Okay, let's move on. He got it. Where's Brett? Where's Brett's dad? Worse. You should be old enough to know better. <laughs> okay. Let's go to the next slide. This is a hard one. It also suggested that effective prayer needs to be by those who have been saved by God's grace. And this is tough. It read, sinners who have not trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation remain alienated from God. Alienated from God. That's a tragic thing. We don't begin to understand what a privilege it is for us to have a relationship with God. And there are folks, perhaps maybe some of you this morning, that have never really entered into the intimacy and the thrill and the joy of a relationship with the living God. There's only one way, Jesus said. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 3.16, it 
It says that God has, has given His Son so that whoever believes, and it's an act of faith, where I recognize the deep need that I have as a sinner, and I believe that Jesus Christ paid for my sin, removed them, as we said earlier this morning, as far as the east is from the west, on the basis of the shed blood of His Son, Jesus. When I recognize my need and confess to Him that need and say, please, Lord Jesus, save me, He graciously brings us into a relationship. No work, no payment, faith alone. Faith alone. The first prayer then for a sinner must be, Lord, save me. And once we've trusted Christ for salvation, we have this wonderful access to God through the payment of Jesus Christ when he shed his blood on the cross. This is a a bloody religion. Well, you know what? From earliest times, God established that without the shedding of blood, no sin would be paid. No payment. Got to have bloodshed. Demonstrated that with Adam and Eve. Demonstrated that with Cain and Abel. And continued to demonstrate that all through the Old Testament where thousands of gallons of blood were shed. Did any of them pay for our sins? No. Not one sin was... You say, wait a minute, Lev, wait a minute. No, Hebrews tells us that, that not all that blood could take away sin. It was a picture It was a symbol, it was a promise of what's to come when the Lamb of God shed His blood and that was the payment for all the Old Testament sin, for all the New Testament sin, for my sin, for your sin. Let's continue to break that down. Next slide. He hears, effective prayer is when he hears and answers. And he will always answer in accordance with his will. Now those are things that we need to process, we need to put in our thinking. Because when we pray, we don't want to be, pray stupid. We want to pray effective. And so let's think through those things. Let's trust that God will reveal himself to us in some of those things. Next slide. There's several aspects of prayer. And I want to run through these. These are our aspects, these are our pieces, maybe, of prayer that we need to be aware of. Think through. Starts with faith. Faith. Don't bother to pray if you don't believe that God will answer. Now that just canceled out about 80% of my prayer. You say, Lev, if you're so bad at prayer, what are you up there preaching to us about This isn't preaching, this is confession. I'm serious. Prayer is horribly hard work. Because you have to believe that not only does God exist, but that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And that that reward is the answer that He gives to our prayer. It takes faith. There has to be worship involved. Because we have to recognize who this God is. Not some little hunk of wood. Not some golden image that our own hands have crafted. And I could go on and on about what our idols are. You choose your own. 
But our God is the living God. Our God is the creator God. Our God is the one who sustains life. Do you know what? If Without the Lord Jesus, you couldn't wake up in the morning. Without the Lord Jesus, you won't get your next breath. And we must depend on Him. We must believe in Him. And we need to worship Him for who He is. There's confession. One of the hindrances that you'll see on your, on your paper here, what is it, number, uh, number 11. Okay? Iniquity in the heart. The Old Testament says, if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so we'll need to get things straight. With God. There's never a day goes by, there's never a minute that goes by without you needing to confess something. I had just spent some time in the Word yesterday. I was, I was really enjoying a portion in Revelation and, and just opened myself up again and said, Lord, I just want to be yours. I just want to be a holy person. And, and I was riding up to Jason's house to meet him and I looked down and guess what? As holy as I wanted to be, I hadn't put my seatbelt on. Is that defeating or what? Even while I'm praying to be holy, I'm breaking the law. And that happens all the time to me. And so I constantly need to be, Lord, I wasn't clean here. Lord, I need to straighten that out there. Um, Praise God, I'm the only one in this room that has that issue. Adoration. This one kind of makes me hurt. I remember, she's not here so I can say this. I can remember those first few times when I was around my wife and I just, whoa. I just adored her. And it isn't quite the same today. Guys, it's a guy thing, right? What about Jesus? I remember times when I'd just been so in love with Jesus that I could just say without any hesitation, Oh, I adore you. Sounds like kind of a wimpy word even, doesn't it? God wants our adoration. He wants us to just have such occupation with himself and to be so in love with him that we're just able to express with our words and with our heart, with our actions, Lord, I just think you're fabulous. I adore you. He deserves it. Praise. Thanksgiving. Isn't it interesting that when you go through the New Testament, I, I, it's slipping me right now, there's a list of sins. Is it in Romans? And it says, and neither were they thankful. Frank, where is that? Come on. <laughs> See, this is, this is a bad part of my life. Dad passed away a few months ago or in August. He was my concordance. Anytime I needed that verse, I dead. Where's this? Well, I think that's in chapter 6 of uh, the Gospel of John, and it's uh, on this corner of the page. <laughs> okay, thanks, Dad. I'm dependent on Frank, and he bails out on me. <laughs> Neither were they thankful. Do we take things so for granted? Are we so entitled that we forget that we have to say thank you from time to time. It's part of prayer. It's a very important part of prayer. Dedicated action. Who'd have thought 
Dedicated action means that when I speak to God and expect something from Him, there is a price tag that comes along with it. You say, wait a minute. For the true believer in Jesus, He has already assigned us good works. Ephesians 2.10 He has assigned us good works. We can't do any of them by ourselves. But we can, through faith, worship, confession, adoration, praise, thanksgiving, we can be empowered to move forward in those things that He has for us. And there has to be a commitment to that as I pray. And then finally, and this is the, the really high-tuned definition of prayer. In simplest language, praying is requesting. All of these things the confession, the adoration, the praise, thanksgiving, they're involved. But when you get right down to it, this is the only thing that you could really say is hardcore prayer, request. Now, I've got a problem here because I started out by saying prayer is the hardest thing we can do. How tough is it to request things? Do it all the time. Some disconnect there. Let's keep rolling. Maybe we can bring that together. Why do we pray? Next aspect. You're saying, oh my goodness. He took 25, nay, 35 minutes on point one of his outline. That does not bode well, folks. Okay? Because that's only part one. We still have two thirds. Never mind. Okay. Why do we pray? Well, we suggested earlier it was our deep need. And the, the, the scriptural basis for that is John chapter 15, verse 5, where the Lord Jesus said, apart from me, you can accomplish very little. No, I didn't read that right. How much? It's hard to make yourself believe that. Who really needs God? Thank you, Emily. And we have one anywhere. <laughs> We pray because we have deep, deep need. When we fail to pray, it's because we don't recognize that need. But I'm getting ahead of myself. It's a response to God's love for us. My grandkids catch me in the driveway as I'm backing out and say, Pop, you going to Menards? And nine times out of ten, that's where I'm going. Can we go with you? Now give me two reasons why any kid would want to go to a hardware lumberyard. Candy. candy. <laughs> right. The candy counter. Joe, you, Joe works there. There's 47 different kinds of candy that you can get for a dollar a box. And they know that if they don't say a word, Pop will get them candy. Aaron made a huge mistake yesterday he's standing on the front of the cart and we're rolling down the aisle and he says pop we're going to get candy and the girls just went Shh, Aaron stop don't talk like that I said what did you say Aaron never mind he didn't say anything <laughs> don't mention it because if you mention it pop doesn't buy it but sure enough we're on our way to the checkout counter very clever marketing Joe right by the checkout counter 47 kinds of candy and we stopped the cart and they each grab one box and put it in the cart. 
that's why you go to Menards. Right? If I didn't love those little critters, I'd right, roar right on past that canyon. Eat your heart out, kid, you know. But hey, they're my grandchildren. They don't deserve the candy, but I love giving them the candy, and it's the same way with God. He loves you. And when you ask Him for something, He delights in giving it to us. In our prayers, we should not only seek answers to our problems, but this is a key part now, so I underlined this one, okay? Here's the real essence of prayer. We should seek God Himself. And if you'll notice the study guide questions, I think it's number two and three or three and four in there. All right? We spend some time dealing with that. I won't go into it now. We don't have time. And you'll have far better answers than I do. So pursue that a little bit in Wednesday night in your, in your study. But we should seek God Himself in our prayers. Next slide. In our prayers, we should seek God as revealed in His Word. We must live by faith. Faith in God means being obedient to His Word. And again, I'm taking this from John chapter 15 and 1 John chapters 1 through 4. Faith in God means being obedient to His Word. Faith in God is always rewarded by God. Hebrews 11, 6. Next slide. Point three. Why do we not pray as we ought to pray? Stephen Cole says, quote, The answer, I think, is simple. I don't pray as I ought because I am self-reliant, which the Bible calls pride. My pride makes me think erroneously that I can handle things by myself with a little help now and then from God. So I rely mostly on myself and a little bit on God. I don't really believe Christ's words, without me you can do nothing. This is important. So God graciously brings me trials to show me my great needs so that I will look to my great God in prayer and trust Him to work on my behalf. Why don't I pray? Pride. And that's another reason why it's so stinking hard for me to pray because there's so much of myself that gets in the way. And again, perhaps there's one or two of you out there that can relate to what I'm talking about here this morning. Next slide. Bringing myself under the control of God's Holy Spirit is where I need to live. The world, the flesh, the devil are all in opposition to my Living in the Spirit. Living under the will of God. It's hard work to fight these enemies of my soul and rest in the power of God. Next slide. We often sing, Savior, you can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. Jesus, author of salvation, you rose and conquered the grave. You can conquer anything. You're in control of everything. I can call out to you when I have deep need. But I won't call out to you unless I recognize who you are, who I am, in a spirit of genuine humility and dependence on Him. 
Next slide. He's willing and and able to release that same power, the power that raised Christ from the dead. He's willing and able to release that same power into our lives. And it pleases Him when we yield to His strength. That's how we fight. We fight by yielding. And that is very hard. This is not the first time you've heard this. And so we'll conclude with the last slide. Fight. Fight. Father, we pray in humility for your power to be unleashed in our lives. We pray, Father, that you would grant us of your greatness in our weakness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.